what? Okay. Very good. All right, we're looking at chapter 10 here. This is uh, session 11 of our class, Biblical Philosophy of Music, um, or as some have called it, the Lord's Song, uh, based on the book. Uh, we didn't create the class based on the book that you're reading with the class. It just kind of works together, I believe. So um, chapter 10 here, dealing with how sound becomes a messenger. Real quick uh, review. Remember, our introduction was have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And we talked about why we should study music in the life of a Christian. Uh, then we talked about new life, new music, then rock, right or wrong. Music makes its mark. Order in music offers harmony in life. Music builds and music destroys. Uh, music sets the mood unto the Lord and instruments of praise. Then, of course, this week we're looking at sound or how sound becomes a messenger. This is going to be kind of getting down to some of the nitty gritty, so to speak. Uh, <clears throat> so we're going to we're going to look at that. Um, our verse for this week is blessed is the people. That know the joyful sound, they shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. So we're going to look at here how sound becomes a messenger. Remember, we've already dealt with uh, many. Um, we've already dealt with many um, examples and discussion about how the sound without the words means something. There's a message. So. Uh, we're going to look here. Music notifies Joshua. So, question. Is evil distinguishable from good by sound alone? Mm -hmm. All right. Can be. All right. Um <clears throat> Yeah. Can godliness and or ungodliness be perceived purely from sound? All right. That's because the sound becomes the messenger. Let's look and see what uh, Joshua saw here. Or rather heard. <clears throat> Exodus 32 and verses 7 and 8 say, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel. <clears throat> which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. We're going to continue this passage here. Another question. Oh, hold on a minute. Let's Before we ask that question, let's look at Joshua, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 32, 17 through 20. So as they came down out of the mountain, it says here in verse number 17, and when Joshua heard, the noise of the people as they shouted, 
he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. But the noise of them that sing do I hear. It came to pass as he, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and brake them beneath the mount. <clears throat> they took the calf which they had made and burn it upon the, uh, and then uh, says, burn it with fire in the fire and ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. So let's see here. Another question. What would Joshua's response be if he walked into the camp today? Yeah. Hopefully not our camp, but he'd be just as upset to walk in the average camp today. <clears throat> How would Joshua describe today's sound? Would it be all is well or it sounds like war? Certainly, yes. Um, a quote-unquote artist of contemporary sound says, <clears throat> we want to keep ourselves updated and yet we don't want to offend the people we've been communicating with over the years. Middle of the road isn't the same as it was five years ago. So we want to be sure that we keep updated. Because if we wonder or if we would stay where we were five years ago, <clears throat> we would no longer be considered middle of the road. We'd probably be more traditional. This artist's. Uh, this quote-unquote artist's husband says. But we want to make sure to emphasize that she's not changing and she's not trying to cross over. All we're doing is getting her music out there where more people can hear it. She's not changing the way she does things or who she is. Everything she does in concert uh, has the audience in mind. It is a little difficult because we've got why uh, we've got a wide demographic that both comes to the concerts and that buys our records. <clears throat> it is a case where with uh, with that wide demographic, you have to have something for everybody. It's interesting how he says. Uh, and you have to keep some of the elements in there that you know are going to please a lot of people. Hmm. This is the contemporary sound. Why? To please a lot of people. So let's look at some things here, an important conclusion. <clears throat> Good music, which lifts up the Lord in its character and sound will be a joy and delight for the Christian. But the converse is not necessarily true. 
music which pleases man may or may not be appropriate in use in the worship of a of a holy god right <clears throat> and this quote unquote artist um or this is the result of this specific artist that wanted to keep ourselves updated this is the the result of that philosophy How would Joshua respond to that sound? What's that? No. Couldn't, couldn't imagine a holy God enjoying that. Joshua certainly would respond with probably the same. There's a sound of war. Let's look at some more... <clears throat> Uh, documented characteristics of the contemporary sound. Um, medical doctor Stephen Halpern in turning the human or tuning the human instrument says, a common denominator cutting through most subjective reactions is that of sexual arousal. There are electrical changes in conductivity that manifest themselves on the surface of the skin as well as internally. These are easily measured by the same kind of biofeedback apparatus that is used in lie detectors. You catch what he's saying there? Yes. <clears throat> electrical, electrical changes in conductivity. Uh, there. So again, he says a, a common denominator cutting through most subjective reactions is that of sexual arousal. So as we might say, oh, you know, that doesn't affect me like that. Well, there are electrical changes in conductivity that manifest themselves on the surface of the skin as well as internally. <coughs> and these are easily measured by the same kind of biofeedback apparatus that is used in lie detectors. In other words, you can actually test and prove that there's arousal even if the person says, oh, it doesn't affect me. All, are all kinds, or rather, are all kids, wait a minute, are the kids all right? <laughs> are the kids all right? <clears throat> By John Fuller here. Uh, speaking of rock, he says, sexuality and hostility were the keynote. So question, how would Joshua respond today if that's the world's response? Right. Um, he wouldn't be able to say, as John said, that I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Can a believer walk in truth and bring joy to the Lord with CCM if it 
if this is how the world describes the rock sound? In fact, uh, Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24, it says, Thus saith the Lord, <clears throat> Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. God doesn't delight in sexuality and hostility being the keynote of our music. Our music should be for him, right? So he goes on to say, Fuller uh, goes on to say, the spontaneous trance can explain a lot of incomprehensible behavior, even on the part of normally sane, sensible, and intelligent spectators. Music can certainly, I mean, you ever see, well, hopefully not, but if you ever see a, a rock concert, a lot of crazy things happen at rock concerts because uh, you people get into a trance of the music and the atmosphere and, and all of this. And it's like, oh, this is happening. Okay. And they go along with it. There's a lot of drugs that ha that takes place. There's a lot of uh, uh, immorality that's taking place in various places that, you know, just a lot of those things. And that's, that kind of goes along with that trance. So here, uh, music and trance, a theory of the relations between music and possession, possession being like being possessed of demons. Yeah. Well, possession, there's talking about like demon possession. Um, so in this book, we find what we need to remember is that music it has a physical impact upon the listener and that it produces a sensorial modification in his awareness of being sensorial it's a, a, a matter of sensory <clears throat> so we um he says she says here or he rather he says here that we need to remember that music um causes here a a physical impact and a modification, a change of our sensory awareness or the awareness of our senses, right? And so <clears throat> changes things quite a bit. So here he says, uh, um, this physical impact, of course, is what pop music is co uh, consciously striving for. That's what they're trying to do. And of course, that's the impact, right? And everyone understands that. It goes without saying. Christian music, even CCM supporters would agree, is intended to have a spiritual in impact, not a physical impact, right? Even CCM supporters would agree that Christian music is to have a spiritual impact. Yet, 
They use the sound that gives a physical impact. So what is pop music? Two basic music categories labeled several ways. So art and pop, art music, pop music, art um, music, dance music, classical music, pop music, um, high arts, mass arts, best defined by actual examples, okay? So we'll look at some examples here. So art, for example. See here. Mm -hmm. shall reign. This is art. It was very well put together. Sounds good, right? Yet there's no words, right? And But there seems to be, it fits, right? It seems to fit with Jesus shall reign. The sound you hear, it, it's, it's, it's fitting, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, you would have an idea of kind of what's what do you what do you feel from the music there? Mm-hmm. No, it was more of a here you go song. <laughs> it was it was more of a you see not all um, not all music is necessarily worship. Sometimes it is evangelistic. Sometimes it is. Uh, praise as opposed to just worship. Does that make sense? So like some of the songs I was singing when you came in, I was singing kind of some of the more solemn, majestic worship style songs, that, that especially that last one, um, just just kind of working my voice a little bit, but, but singing and, and praising the Lord. And rather in that case, it was more worship. When I survey the wondrous cross, right? Um, but when it comes to, um, when it comes to this, this was, that was an example of art. It's clean. It's there. It's art, artful, you know, uh, here's an example of pop. Oh, if pop music is consciously striving for physical impact, Thank you. 
Well, pop music fulfills a different function from art music and often has different ambitions. It's just the way it is. All right. So, speaking of pop and all of that, this would probably be a uh, appropriate yet inappropriate uh, picture for that last song that we heard, right? <clears throat> Swing dance CDs. If you want to encourage our, if we want to encourage our young people to think and to behave like this, then we should have this kind of music in our church, churches and homes. Is this just innocent fun? I would say not necessarily no. In fact, I would say absolutely not. It's not innocent. Let's look at this, uh, what they say here. They, they've got a list of songs here, and then at the bottom it says, take 10 of your favorite praise and worship songs and set them to, swing, to a swing beat. Shake it up a little, and what do you have? Swing praise. The first in a series of the BEC recording from from BEC recordings. The the problem here is the uh, you know it's it's a it's a wrong use of dance. We already talked about dance and proper dance and things like that. This isn't just innocent fun. You're encouraging teenage children to touch one another and do this this dance stuff, right? Um, there's a, there's a whole, I mean, some people may watch this video and they may say, well, you know, I don't agree. Well, watch the rest of the videos and start, and especially the one about the, the dance thing and, and get the whole point, you know, because this is not intended to be one, you know, um, one video. You, oh, this is a good video. Watch this. It's intended to be all together taken as, as, a, as a whole, one, one complete uh, class. And so, <clears throat> what's that? Yes, it shouldn't be taken out of context. And the context requires every, every class. So, pop delivery is deliberate and calculated. Southern girl here, Northern Light says, uh, pop delivery and the messy business of faith. The article says, <coughs> One of the things I did is work with, and uh, down here, uh, Twyla's vocals. By the way, this was re referring to the other, um, the, the thing that we played earlier, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart, the one they messed up. Um, so one of the things that, that this person worked with says Twyla's vocals, um, notes Peacock, the writer here, or the person being interviewed. So I felt that, she would be perceived as a pop vocalist. So more than just an inspirational artist, <clears throat> or more so than just an inspirational artist, because she is so much more than that. She is both the person who has the songs in the hymnal, and she also, she's also the person who writes very, very competitive and wonderful pop music, he says. Twyla Paris said, I don't think it's God's plan for faith to be in a neat little box 
with a bow tied around it. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's a terrible misuse of that of, of, of the part of that verse. Um, <clears throat> going to the pop sound is a conscious entertainment oriented choice designed to increase market share. Let's look at some examples again. Art. Let's look at an art example. Or listen to So, okay, example of pop music. So if pop music is consciously striving for a physical impact, It's, it's meant to entertain. Again, if pop music is consciously striving for a physical impact, then pop music fulfills a different function from art music and often has different ambitions. And we see this, we hear this in the examples. Um, <clears throat> another quote here from this book, Music, the Brain and Ecstasy. Harmony is inherently complex inherently intellectual, inherently difficult. Not surprisingly, harmonic depth is rare in popular music, that being pop music, even when rhythm and melody are reasonably well-developed. So, <clears throat> Wenton Marsalis here on, um, on the subject of pop, he says, pop music comes to you Classical music, you have to go to it. Let's look at another example of art or classical art. <coughs> <coughs> Thank you. 
harmony there. You have all the parts in place and everything. It's art. It's clean. It's complex. Pop. Again, if pop music is consciously striving for physical impact, whoops, let's go back here. God is, you know, clap your hands and dance and shake your behind. That has nothing to do with the holiness of God. I don't know that they're all aware that they're doing that, no. Um, that's the other thing, too. You know, we're not trying to demonize people completely that do this, that do these kind of things. Some of them just didn't learn properly. Some of them were taught by other people. This is okay. This is right. Uh, I don't try to demonize people that enjoy those kind of things. Uh, <clears throat> they just don't understand the depth of what is going on. And so this is why we have the class, you know, uh, so that people can understand the depth of what's going on. They can understand the, the details of the, and the difference between pop, between pop and art, the difference between, you know, um, between, you know, the, the world's music and God's music. The difference between you know holy really truly holy and really actually pretty dirty not holy at all yeah yeah <clears throat> oh it absolutely does if you're always looking for something that makes you want to dance even when you're talking about honoring the holy majestic god how can you be still and be quiet and actually respect and understand and, and experience the holy presence of God. You see, this the art example brings you into the holy presence of God. It, that's the that's the feel that you have. I'm gonna play that one again. to make him like you does that make sense the other guy it's like hey everybody god's holy he's like us well that's like the opposite of holy holy is unlike me right so that's that's the deal there so <clears throat> yes yes absolutely it it drives the presence of god away because you have another presence you have a presence that is uh, that that is not godly. 
and that therefore drives the presence of God away. Now, of course, we know God's present everywhere, but he is only close to those that are that, that have the right heart, right? And so now people say, well, they may have the right heart. They just don't understand. Yes, but what they're doing is wrong. Doing wrong with the right heart doesn't make doing wrong right. Just because you don't understand doesn't make it right all of a sudden. So remember that pop music fulfills a different function from art, from art music. It has different ambitions. We're not, they're not trying to honor God. They're trying to entertain people. That's the point. Instead of the music being for God, it's for us. Right. It's about the customer. <clears throat> it is not subtle in that case. It's obvious. And here's an example here. Pure pop. Kind of a play on words there, of course. But pop. Like a can of pop, right? <clears throat> a refreshing collection of hit songs from today's hottest Christian pop artists in stores September 3rd, 2002. That dates it a bit. Pure pop. Wow. I would say there's probably nothing really truly pure about it. Barry Manilow in an interview <clears throat> question was asked, what is the difference between pop music and show tunes and classical music? Manilow says, it's the difference between a meal at a fast food restaurant and a fine dine restaurant. The show tunes and classical music last more than three minutes and go much deeper. I think that's a good way of putting it. <clears throat> now, obviously, you know, he was one who wasn't for the classical and such so he was i mean his his thing was what what did he do yeah he's doing he's doing fast food music <laughs> as he puts it <clears throat> but at least we see that even those who we disagree with agree with us on some things some of the points that we're trying to make that people sometimes are like oh what what's the big deal well for people that say oh it's not like that you know what? The world even says it is. Why is it that we're so blinded to it sometimes? Um, so here we have a very important question prompted. Remember, this physical impact, of course, is what pop is consciously striving for, right? Our impact with our music is intended to be spiritual. So the crucial question here is... What is the result when that which strives for a physical impact is used to communicate spiritual truths? What is the result? Spiritual truths are diluted and reduced to a physical experience. And think about that before we look. There's, there's like multiple answers here that were, that were given here, multiple points to the answer. But think about that. Spiritual truths are diluted and reduced to a physical experience. You think of 
lots and lots of uh, religious uh, uh, congregations who will who are striving after and seeking after a physical experience in every single one of their services. They're looking for a physical experience instead of actually getting and receiving the spiritual truth. They're looking for every time they're looking for a physical experience and they've got an unbalanced view of God working. They think that God's only working if they see a physical experience. That's not true. That's not true at all. God often works when there's no physical experience. It's simply a spiritual experience. And the spiritual truths, when you do this, are diluted. They don't know how to live on faith alone. They have to see it, right? They want a physical experience. The listener is hoodwinked into believing he had a spiritual encounter when in reality, he, uh, when in reality that experience was only physical. People say, oh, it's, it's really blessed me. It's blessed me so much. What do you mean by that? It's made me feel good, inspired me. It was a physical experience, not spiritual. Further, of greater concern is that such experiences are not only physical, but according to Mr. Ruget, or however you say his name, and a host of other writers, it's not only physical, but it's also sensual. He says the sounds of the bass infrasounds produce vibrations localized in internal erogenous zones of the abdomen. I don't think we have to define all those words. You can go back and watch it again and you can go define them if you need to. But that's a pretty profound statement. It seems that justification, rationalization, and logic can only be we are going to appeal to your flesh and inject you with some spiritual truths while you're not looking or thinking. Is what they're trying, what they're, what they're basically doing. It seems that that's the justification, rationalization, and the logic. Well, the problem is they're unaware that they're really not getting injected with spiritual truths. And again, remember, God warns us in Jeremiah chapter 48 and verse number 10. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. We ought not to be doing the work of the Lord deceitfully. So a practical observation as we consider the powerful package of sound and lyrics. It concerns transitions and how how well we as believers make them. Now, the term transitions comes from the social sciences. Concept uh, has the idea of associating, connecting, combining, or linking a specific impression uh, to a secondary or tertiary meaning. Transitions from spiritual sound and lyrics to spiritual experience, so on. So, spiritual to spiritual. Natural. Sentimental. Spiritual. Quite easy. This is a transition here between spiritual to spiritual. It's, it's natural, right? It just happens. Spiritual things 
compared with spiritual things, we just get it naturally. Sentimental, the spiritual things, eh, you know, it may come with a little bit of difficulty, but it's pretty easy. Overall, it's quite easy. <clears throat> Physical things to spiritual things, it's very difficult and dangerous. Now, I will say that there are some examples, though. We can look at the creation and we can say, you see what God made, and we can talk about things that have to do with certain things. In fact, I was just talking uh, yesterday with uh, the guys in the other class um, that uh, uh, in, in the, the, the financial class I'm doing at the mission, just explaining to them, or we were talking about a possible other class where we might do some uh, some uh, hands-on work and then try to bring a biblical application to physical work that we do. Um, not saying that it's wrong to do that kind of thing, but when we take things that appeal to the physical and then try to transition to spiritual from appealing to the physical, not good. Jesus took a physical fact, the body's need for water, and transitioned to a spiritual truth. That's different. That's different. Now, uh, like, you know, the woman at the well, I give you water, you'll never thirst again. And so dealing with physical to the spiritual in that sense was not a problem. Now, if he were to appeal to her flesh specifically, in a sense, he was, but not completely. <clears throat> he was trying to move her from the physical to the spiritual. Uh, that's the difference. Utilizing what is seen in the physical or what is known in the physical to appeal to spiritual is one thing appealing to physical and trying to transition to spiritual it just doesn't work you have to you know you may it it may at the surface work but you've got to very quickly it you you can't actually minister to the physical not only appeal but actually just make it all that's why when the the folks that were fed the 5000 when they showed up later he said you just came to get food basically he's like you're just this you're all about physical and then he goes on to tell them you need to eat me and gets into the spiritual that they did, couldn't understand <clears throat> this is a two-way dynamic though you just you're going as you're going over, you're going down, right? Let's look here further. Physical to spiritual, again, uh, very difficult and dangerous. Why? The physical is interpreted in a spiritual context. Okay, this is, again, this having to do with um, uh, the difference between the flesh and the spirit, having to do with the experience as well trying to adapt a physical experience to or interpret rather the physical being interpreted in the spiritual context it just doesn't it doesn't work and or here we have the spiritual interpreted in a physical context when we're talking about art and music and things right we don't we don't do that that way although the examples i gave they don't really fit in this concept 
you know, where, where Jesus may appeal to a physical thought or physical concept, he's not trying to put them into a physical experience and then feed them spiritual stuff or try to, or, or rather, you know, in a spiritual context, try to throw in sensuality or something. You know, this is, and, and by the way, when we're talking about physical here, we're not just talking about like, you know, water or food or what we're talking about physical in the sense of, of carnal in the sense of um, uh, sensuality kind of thing. You can't put those together. Galatians 5, 17 says, for the flesh lusteth against, against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. So in, in a sense, we're, <clears throat> when I was talking about using a physical concept, and bringing into the spiritual, I'm not talking about the flesh or a fleshly concept. When we're talking about physical here, we're talking about fleshly. So we could replace the word physical up there with fleshly. Um, so again, you the the flesh and the spirit they don't they don't work together well, right? Is this a is this a music verse? No, of course not. Is there a music application? Absolutely, right? <clears throat> Once again, <clears throat> measuring the music here. in the foreword of this uh, book says the problem with Christian pop music is that pop changes the gospel musical medium remakes the message into a reflection of pop's own muse indeed a gospel proclaimed by popular musical forms becomes transformed into a different gospel Yes, that's very good, or not a gospel at all. But it's transformed into a social gospel or transformed into a, what, you know, what, what kind of different gospel does pop music do, uh, teach? <clears throat> a rebellious gospel, a, a liberal gospel. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, so we don't want to, go on too much with that but here on the in this book here our guiding purpose should always <clears throat> um he says our guiding purpose should always be built or should all my goodness our guiding purpose should always be to build up the brethren promote harmony and win the lost Our purpose discussed and agreed upon through scriptural example was quite different. Right? What was that? Our purpose was not to not to just build up the brethren, promote harmony, and win the lost. It was to worship the Lord and praise him, right? <clears throat> you see again, where's the focus? The focus of the music is on the people instead of the right person, the Lord. <clears throat> so, remember here again, he says, I have found no studies linking sensuality with a particular musical style or beat in itself. No, he didn't study very hard. 
for our information here, Mr. Miller has Gilbert's Gilbert uh, Ruget's book, Music and Trance, in his bibliography and quotes from it. Remember what he said in that book? He said this, <laughs> we need to remember that music has a physical impact upon the listener and that it produces a sensorial modification in his awareness of being. His, this physical impact, of course, is what pop music is consciously striving for. Whoa. Hold on a minute. He said that he's found no studies linking sensuality with, the, with a particular music style or beat in itself. Yet he has this book in his bibliography for his book that he's written, that book. He has that book in his bibliography, which says this. <clears throat> and it goes on to say, the sounds of the bass, infrasounds, produce vibrations localized in internal erogenous zones of the abdomen. Hmm. Evidently, he didn't study the books that he quoted from, even. <clears throat> Perhaps Mr. Miller has not heard of Dr. David Elkind, either. Fact is, uh, there is not adequate time or space, nor is there an appropriate setting to dwell on material which graphically depicts the effect of much of pop music, right? Plethora, the, the plethora of evidence for those who are willing to accept it is overwhelming. It's not appropriate for us to really get too deep into all of the little details about how that works. <clears throat> so Dr. David Elkind says, there is a great deal of powerful, albeit subliminal, sexual stimulation implicit in both the rhythm and lyrics of rock music. Let's leave out the word lyrics there. In the rhythm of rock music. He says both the rhythm and lyrics of rock music. So you take the lyrics away and put good lyrics in. Does it change it? No, the rhythm's still there. <clears throat> After you've filled your head with garbage, says here, CCM TV can clean you out. Hmm. More of the same won't clean you out. It will just fill you with more of the same. Garbage, right? It's just going to give us the same, you know, it's going to fill you with more of the same. How would Joshua respond to that kind of sound? Same way he responded when he responded to Israel's sound. In tuning the human instrument, Stephen Halpern says, <clears throat> with the dynamic levels of electric instruments, the whole body becomes ear. The phenomenon of bone conduction, which is, uh, which used to be reserved for explaining why one heard one's own voice differently than when played back 
in a tape recorder now accounts for the, pri the primacy of direct communication, one that got right inside of you, right down to the bone, literally. Talking about the, the music there. It goes on to say, never before had there been such intimacy between performer and audience. Any wonder that rock music is so sexual? <coughs> Dr. Alan Bloom says, and I misspelled his name there, spelled differently on the book than it's spelled on the slide. Speaking of rock music, he suggests that future generations will um, consider it. This is this is a commentary of what he says, but he, he suggests that future generations will consider it and the associated scenes as incomprehensible as the caste system, witch burning, harems, cannibalism, and gladiatorial combats. It may well be that a society's greatest madness seems normal to itself. Interesting. Yeah. But what he's saying is that future generations are going to consider rock music like the stuff that we look at now and we're like, how could a civilized society have that? <clears throat> he goes on. He's, we've read this before, but he says, Rock gives children on a silver platter with all the public authority of the entertainment industry. Everything their parents always used to tell them that they had to wait for until they grew up and would understand later. Rock gives it to them on a silver platter. <clears throat> and by the way, many of his remarks about rock are too graphic to include. <clears throat> the music within you is that repetition increases preference. Therefore, the more we hear something, the more we tend to like it. If so, does the word have some advice for the believer? Hebrews 3.13 says, but exhort one another once a year, no, daily, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Exhorting one another daily. That's why we often have things. And, you know, I, I hear people uh, balk at, well, why do you do something church-wise, you know, every day? Well, we don't, but we should. doesn't mean we all have to come to this building every day, but... I talk to our members every day, maybe not all of them, but I talk to at least one member every single day. Either we're having a class or we're having a visitation or we're having or we're, we're just talking to him on the phone. Uh, sometimes I'll talk to Phil for hours on the phone, so, you know, talk to people daily, every day. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, you you tend to like it becomes what your preference is. Emotion and meaning in music, the book says, 
Music may give rise to images and trains of thoughts which, because of their relation to the inner life of the particular individual, may eventually culminate and affect. In other words, music's going to do something to you. In effect. Yeah, they, they culminate in effect. In other words, um, the the sounds that we hear and the images that, that, that run through our minds because of the music that we listen to uh, says that it may eventually culminate in an effect or in effect or in emotion. They may uh, eventually culminate in actually doing something about it. We hear and see things in our heads because of the, the, the music that we listen to may actually end up causing us to do something. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Um, now, we have 13 slides left. So we're moving quite, we're moving okay, but we're, we're over time already. But um, what kind of music is this? Country, the title of the song is Now That's Country. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's country, right? How would Joshua respond to what is in the camp today? <laughs> He'd be like, I'm out of here. I don't want to have anything to do with this. Um, so we have to deal with this because a lot of people say, oh, you know, hey, country music's not that bad. Well, we got to talk about it for a minute here. That was Marty Stewart, and that song was Now That's Country, or whatever, if you want to call it a song. Um, and it, we didn't play all of it, but anyways. Does CCM include country? The country style? It does. Um, no, CCM, remember, is contemporary Christian music. Um, yes, it does. The other CCM, Christian country music, says, um, <clears throat> they have here talk about the acoustic guitar, but instead of calling what I do acoustic country with a pop edge, I'd prefer to call it acoustic pop with a country edge. This is talking about, uh, quote unquote, Christian music. Now, of course, you know, I play the guitar you know, accompanying our songs uh, for our, our uh, for our congregational singing and specials and things like that, but it is not country style. It may give a country feel because guitars kind of do, uh, <coughs> but it's not country style. 
it's much like a piano gives a certain feel and an organ gives a certain feel. Um, there you go. So what's the theme of country music? And what kind of story? Triangle relationships is what kind of story? The theme. Triangle relationships. That's the common country theme. <clears throat> Tammy Wynette says, to inspire her writing, Wynette should, uh, or says uh, she would find a quiet place I'll just real quick go back to this. Sorry. Talk about country music. What's the theme in country music? Uh, drinking. drinking. Okay. Yeah, that is a theme. But a big theme is trying triangle relationships. That you, you know more about that, not the relationship thing, but you know more about country probably than, than, than the average folk around this place. <clears throat> so she said... Uh, or rather uh, said about her in Investor's Business Daily, to inspire her writing, Wynette uh, would find a quiet place where she could be alone. Then she drummed up past experiences she regretted or was ashamed of, uh, worked herself into a frenzy, and put her thoughts down on paper. The listener then participates in all of it. Yet, the Bible says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, what's, you know, pure, honest, think on these things. Who is the most popular country artist in history? <coughs> At, as of the, this, um, the making of this a while back. No. It's, he's more recent most popular Garth Brooks yeah so Newsweek in an article called the world according to Garth says he sold 67 million records he is the most loved country singer in history that was as of 98 now there might be new new folks out there that what's that I don't even know who that is <clears throat> So what did he say? Communication is, I'm sorry, I have a hard time talking about this with you because you're a woman, he says, but communication is the sexiest thing I think there is. I love great communication in a relationship or in concert. Now, this was 12 years, or well, no, that was, this was 20 years ago. <laughs> How much more? Or what's it like now, right? And <clears throat> what's that? Yeah, any more country is just pop. Um, so in an earlier interview, he was a bit more candid with Barbara Walters. He said, or she asked, how would you describe what you do? And he said, it's sex. That's how he describes what he does. So <clears throat> here's an example of country CCM. 
Yes, that's supposed to be a Christian song. Isn't it interesting that uh, if she didn't say, oh, Lord, at the beginning, and even though she said it, she may have been using the Lord's name in vain or something, but we wouldn't know if she's talking about God or a boyfriend. Maybe you would think evaluate <clears throat> if Garth is doing sex what is she doing you have that kind of uh, appearance on on a uh, on album cover you have the thing that I had to cover up there <clears throat> we have here friends in high places who are those people that's her and Garth Brooks, they're doing the same thing. They're doing the same thing. Same sound, same purpose, same deal. The final chapter on Brooks, at least then at that time, uh, who works triple overtime to make sure he fulfills what his fans want him to be, a kind-hearted Christian with solid family values. Final chapter is being is still being written. Country singer Garth Brooks waited 18 years before he could marry Trisha Yearwood. And that was in 2006. I don't know if they're are they still married? <laughs> Brother Phil was answering that question. Let's see here. <clears throat> I don't really know anything about them, so. I have it on the computer it actually shows uh, number one country artist 
What are you saying? Oh, that's what you were answering, Brother Phil. Um, I was looking for, well, bottom line here, we have this happening because of this, right? He left his first wife, uh, Sandy Mal Brooks, in 2000 and dated Yearwood until they were married in December of 2005. <clears throat> right. Um, no, he certainly isn't. Um, so, <clears throat> there is a suggestive correspondence. This is, as, as we're going to, I'm going to give you the before part of this quote here. <laughs> yes, it is all the same story with those guys. That's what Brother, uh, Brother Phil said. There's a suggestive correspondence between the lyrical themes in country music and the life situation experienced by most of its fans. Taking the data already reported and framing a composite, country music fans are urban living white adults with rural roots who are established in home, family, and job, but are content with none of these. There is some evidence for, <clears throat> there's some evidence for the assertion that country music fans are discontented. Let's contrast that with Philippians 4, 11. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, right? <clears throat> now, obviously, some of this is going to be old stuff. It's going to be uh, uh, old news, so to speak, because, uh, um, you know, this, this, this is like 10 years old. The, the, uh, when, I, when I first put this uh, or got this and began putting it together and so forth. So um, I didn't actually create the whole thing. It came from Majesty Music. So um, so obviously some of the stuff's old. Conway Twitty, there he is there. As a country artist, I'm not proud of a lot of things in my field, he says. He says there's no doubt in my mind that we are contributing to the moral decline in America. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Country music referred to in the book called Rock Music. Many rock performers grew up with country western music and its characteristic forms and sounds are close to the ensemble sound of rock instrumental combinations and techniques are closely paralleled. But now the division between country western and urban pop has been blurred almost to, to vanishing. It's pretty much the same thing now. <clears throat> Powerful. It needed something powerful and ominous, <clears throat> right? A feast to the Lord. This is to help them in their idol worship. Yet, at the same time, it was powerless and a bit humorous. 
people set on mischief. Let's look at the, the passage here. Um, there came out this calf, right? So in, in uh, let's see here. You remember uh, what he said here in Exodus 32, 2 through 5. <clears throat> when the people saw that Moses delayed to come up down out of the mount, he, uh, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters. There's a problem there in that. And bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. <coughs> and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And he said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Notice Lord there. If you look in your Bible, it's, it's, uh, it's like capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's Jehovah. He calls this feast that they're going to have a feast to Jehovah as they worship this idol. <coughs> Verse 5 shows the level to which Aaron had been blinded after leading the Israelites into blatant idolatry. The presence of the molten calf, an idol of their own, make an idol of their own making, a product of their sensuality, disobedience, and wickedness in Aaron's spiritually distorted mind was to become a feast unto the Lord. I don't think so. I think he was blinded by the circumstance. That which God hated and would ultimately judge was reasoned as an act of worship to Jehovah in Aaron's depraved mind. And the Israelites clamoring for a God they could see, feel, and touch, <clears throat> a God which would satisfy their sensual desires as they worshiped, followed in lockstep adoration. Do we need a more obvious analogy to the condition we find in the camp today? A plethora of irrefutable evidence <coughs> has been presented that much of the world's sound by the admission of its well-qualified spokesman is saturated with sensuality and perversity, yet great multitudes of Christians, so-called Christians, some maybe, some maybe not, clutch to it as a feast to the Lord. Notice that it becomes, it's powerless and a bit humorous here. <clears throat> Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them. And Aaron said, Let not thine, let not the anger of my Lord be or wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods, which shall go up before us, which shall go before us. 
as for for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. <laughs> what? Wow. <clears throat> right. But this is the kind of mindset. We notice, though, that what is noted by Joshua as he comes down out of the mountain with Moses, he says, I hear a noise of war in the camp. He says, it's not the sound of, of those, it's not the voice of those that, that are crying for victory. It's not the voice of those that are crying for being overcome, but it's the sound or it's the noise of those that sing that I hear. And they thought they were worshiping God, but in reality, they were worshiping an idol. This is our last slide here. Two kinds of music contrasted. There's powerful. <clears throat> like the golden calf. And then there's. Rather, there's powerful music, and then there's, like the golden calf, powerful yet powerless music. <clears throat> Let me read here what I have. Two kinds of music have been contrasted in this series. One is powerful, while the other is like the golden calf. The Israelites cried, make us gods that go before us. We need someone to help and direct us. <clears throat> the music which they sang in praise, worship, and celebration of this satanic idol sounded like war. It was powerful to pull them deeper into idol worship and wickedness, but powerless to point them to the true and living God. What is your music powerful for? Do we want power in the flesh or the power of God? with the power of God. Amen. Amen. Um, <clears throat> this is the last slide. Next week, we'll deal with uh, the last three chapters or the last three uh, lessons. They'll be all in one. Uh, not very many slides for that one. This one went a little long. Uh, the next one will be uh, quite shorter. But we'll look at the elements of Christ honoring music and our conclusion. Uh, remembering that uh, the world brings about those things that are appealing to the flesh. But we've got to remember that what appeals to the flesh isn't what God wants us to use for worship to Him. And it isn't what God wants us to use in our daily life. Because we ought to be exhorting one another daily. We ought to be appealing to spiritual truth from the Word of God. Amen. All right, let's close in prayer, and then we can have discussion if we want to. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your Word. We thank